God's power is one of the spiritual resources that we have as believers. And with it, no matter what we're facing, we're not powerless. Today, we'll be learning about tapping into the power that makes personal changes possible. This message is the seventh in the series, Turning Point. The message is entitled, Tap Into the Power. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Grab your Bibles this morning. We're going to start in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 in just a few moments as we're very quickly moving to a conclusion of the series that we beginning, we're beginning using to begin our new year together called Turning Point. This is our, our next to last weekend and our teaching time together, so I encourage you to be here next weekend as we wrap up these eight sessions together called Turning Point. I want to talk to you this weekend about tapping into God's power. A turning point. What is a turning point in your life? A turning point really is a decisive, strategic moment when you move from bad to good, good to better, or better to best. A decisive, strategic moment where you move from bad to good, good to better, or better to best. See, all of us in our life journey have to make choices along the way that help us to move to God's best for our lives. And these are strategic moments. And we're talking about the fact that 2013 provides us an opportunity to have some turning points with God. How do we move to the better and best life that God has for us? And the better and best life that God has is all about what happens inside of you and me, how God works inside of us to help us to be everything that he wants us to be. Because we need to be on the right path personally if we're going to make it to the right destiny that God has for us. This is something that a lot of people never think much about. So your path in life will lead to your destination in life. And if you're on the wrong path, you'll end up at the wrong place. And God says, I want to make sure that in your, in your inner being and who you are as a person, that you're tracking with the right path so that I can get you to the right destiny. And part of getting to that right place is learning how to tap in to the power of God. And what I want to do today is talk to you about two things that are essential. If you're going to tap into God's power that will enable you to find the best life that God has for you. And the first thing that we must do is we have to know what our resources are. We must know the resources that are available to us, uh, the power resources that can help us to have the turn and the turning points that we need in life. I'm not sure if you've ever felt this way before. I'm sure that most of us have at some point. Maybe you're feeling this way in your life right now. It's the feeling of powerlessness. Have you ever felt that way before? A problem is there. It's too big for you to handle. It's far beyond what you could do. And You're trying to work your best way around it, but you just seem to be powerless in your ability to handle the situation. It's especially true when it comes to the personal issues of our life, that when we're trying to make turning points, maybe trying to be a better person, to have a better attitude, to maybe do things better than we've done in the past, to speak more positive words, or to be a more positive person, or to have more of the love of God in our lives, whatever it might be, that we find ourselves powerless. We want to do the right thing, but we end up doing the wrong thing, and we wonder, how, why can I not simply find the power to do what I need to do? And many times, we we don't succeed at the turning points that we need to succeed in because we are actually powerless. And I want to talk to you today about how do you tap into the power of God? How do you know where your resource is so that you can actually fulfill, be all that God wants you to be? The Apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3, describes for us how we get a hold of this power, how we find a resource that can help us. I'm going to ask you to read this together with me. We're going to read again verse 3, 2 Peter chapter 1, and let's read from the Living Bible aloud and loudly together. Here we go. For as you know him better, he will give you through his great power everything you need for living a truly good life 
He even shares his own glory and his own goodness with us. I'm going to ask you to take your your pen or pencil or your highlighter for a moment, and I want you to circle or highlight some words, underline some words in this verse. For as you know him, circle the word him, better, the next word to circle is he, he will give you through his, circle his, great power, Everything you need for living a truly good life, he, circle he again, even shares his, circle his, own glory and his, circle again his, own goodness with us. I want you to notice here the emphasis upon the personal pronoun of God. God says, I know that you can't do this by yourself. I know that you don't have the power to be the person that you want to be and that I want you to be. And so I have made available for you the resource, my own resource, myself. He says, I am there. Jesus Christ came so that we could experience and receive all the power necessary to be all that he wants us to be. So how do we know him? How do we experience him? How do we come to this place of letting him be the power source for our lives? Because we are powerless. Would you agree today that in your own power, you can't get it done? Amen? I can't, you can't. In my own power, I can't be like Jesus. In my own power, I can't be the best husband that I want to be or the best father that I want to be or the best worker or pastor that I want to be. I can't do it in my own power, nor can you do what God wants you to do in your own power. You and I need a power beyond ourselves, and that power is found in Him, in Jesus Christ. So how do we actually tap into that? How do we know that resource in a very practical way? Let me share with you four things that you need to know and believe if you're going to let Jesus be the power source for your life. First of all, you need to know that what Jesus did in the past, he's still doing today. What Jesus did in the past, he's still doing today. Now, most of us, when we think about Jesus, we like to think about Jesus 2,000 years ago when he was on the earth. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's going around healing the sick and raising the dead and doing all kinds of miracles. We think, oh, that's who Jesus was. No, that's not who Jesus was. That's who Jesus is. Jesus, the Bible teaches us here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 8, says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That what he did yesterday, dear ones, understand something, he's still doing it today. And what he's doing today, you can be assured that he's going to do it into tomorrow as well. He is a faithful God whose power is demonstrated in the past, in the present, and we can count on it in the future. And so whatever you're facing in your life right now, the powerlessness powerlessness that you feel, you must know that there is a Jesus Christ who is alive. He didn't just die 2,000 years ago. He rose again. He lives forever. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. The second thing you and I must know and believe if we're going to tap into this power resource to become what God wants us to be is we must know and believe that Jesus has made himself fully available to help us right now. He's made himself not just available, but I used a word there, fully available. Say it with me, fully available. Fully available to help you and me. The writer of Hebrews, uh, all throughout the book, provides us some great insights into the ministry of Jesus in our lives now. We read one a moment ago in Hebrews chapter 13. Now I'm going to draw your attention to Hebrews chapter 4, one of my favorite passages in the book of Hebrews. I love the book of Hebrews because of its emphasis on Jesus Christ and the way it presents Jesus to us in a very high priestly way, but in a very practical way as well. And notice what is written here. Therefore, since we have, notice it's present tense, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have, again, it's present tense, one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach, that's present tense, do it right now. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive, that's again present tense, right now may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What does this this passage mean to you and me? It means that when you face a situation in your life right now where you are powerless, you must understand that Jesus says, I am fully available to help you. I'm looking for you to come to me right now with confidence, knowing that if you'll ask me, you'll receive the mercy and the grace to help you in your time of need. I am fully, completely available to you in the moment, not just something you hope will happen somewhere in the future, but right now. There's the eternal now for you and me that God says, I'm there for you fully right now in this moment. The third thing that you and I need to understand about Jesus, know and believe about him as he is constantly praying for us right now. This will give you great encouragement for your life. I appreciate prayer partners. How about you? If you want to bless me, tell me, pastor, I'm praying for you. Now, don't just tell me that. Really be doing it, okay? But if I know you're really praying for me, there's something about your prayers for me that gives me encouragement. It lets me know that somebody cares. In fact, I believe one of the greatest things you can do in terms of showing love for another person is to put them on your prayer list and to pray consistently for them because it's demonstrating your concern, your, your care, your, if you will, availability to connect with them right there in whatever they're going through. You're saying, I'm your partner in prayer. And the Bible, again, in Hebrews, tells us something about Jesus, who he is, and what he does for us, not just in the past or in the future, but right now. It says, therefore, he is, that's Jesus, able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to do what? To intercede for them. Now, circle that word, intercede. It may be a big word for some of you in terms of theological understanding. The basic meaning of the word is that Jesus is praying for you. Think about this for a moment, that right now while we are down here in the nasty now and now of living our lives, and all of us have stuff we're going through right now, there's not a single person in this room today, you don't have something going on in your life right now that you need God's help with, amen? You need God's help with something in your life right now. I do, you do, we all do. And The Bible says that while we're down here on earth trudging through the stuff of life, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. See, he ascended back to the right hand of God the Father. What is Jesus doing in heaven right now? Is he on an extended vacation there, just sort of waiting until he comes back again? No, Jesus is not resting in heaven. Jesus is engaging in a work in heaven. There's a ministry that Jesus is doing right now. You know what that ministry is? Jesus spends his days and nights, if you will, praying for you and me. The Bible says he ever lives to pray for you and me. The Bible says that because of that, we can count on the fact that he can save us completely. He can get us through whatever we're facing in life. So right now, I want you to envision this because it's true. It's not just a vision of your imagination. It is reality that right now, up in heaven, Jesus is calling your name and 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 your name. He's calling our names before God the Father. He's praying for you to make it through. He's praying for God's grace and strength to be imparted that you might be receptive to all that God has for you. It's wonderful to know today that among all of our prayer partners, Jesus is your prayer partner, amen? He's praying for you. 
That's how we can know that we have power available to us. Why? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I'm fully available. Whatever your needs are, come to me boldly to the throne of grace. You'll find mercy and grace to help you in your time of need. And know this, I'm praying continually for you. And because of that, I'm able to save you completely. But there's one more thing I want to share with you. This is our theme verse for today. We'll get to it in just a moment. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We must know and believe that Jesus promised us his power to overcome. Jesus said, I promise you this, I promise you that I will make sure you have enough power to overcome whatever you're facing in life. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is what Jesus told his disciples before he went back to heaven. He said, guys, you're going to need some power. You can't do this by yourself. You can't be the person I want you to be in your own strength. You can't do the right thing in your own power. But here's my promise. I promise that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And on the day of Pentecost, dear ones, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church and was sent to this world. And the Holy Spirit is active in our world today. And he's active in your life. If you have claimed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you because the Bible says you cannot say Jesus is Lord. Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And so the moment you proclaim Jesus to be Lord, you can be affirmed the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And Jesus promised that he would fill you with the Holy Spirit if you'd ask him. The scripture says, if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And so when you and I come and say, Father God, I don't have the power. I don't have the strength. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better mom. I want to live for you and show the life of Jesus through me in ways like never before Jesus I want to do it the right way Jesus said okay here's the power I promised you the power and here it is for your life first Corinthians 10 verse 13 fantastic well if you're going to clap everybody clap don't just sit like a two or three clap all right okay and you're not and you're not clapping for me you're clapping for the reality that you've got power available it's promised first Corinthians 10 13 the temptations in your life. Anybody have any of those? Of course you do. If you're breathing. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. I call that power, don't you? There's a God in your life. He says, I want you to know something. When you go through the tough stuff, when you go through the temptations, when you go through the trials and tribulations, because that word temptation in the Greek language means more than just enticements to sin. It means that, but it also means the trials, the challenges of life. When you go through these temptations, he will not allow these temptations, these enticements to sin, these trials, these tribulations to be more than you can stand. What is he saying? He said, I promise I will be right there with you. That when you're going through this stuff, I'll be there with you. And when you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And here's very important to understand. If you're in a, if you're in a place, in a, in a place where, where fire is, okay, and the smoke has filled up the room, and you can't find your way out, and a voice of a firefighter comes along and says, I'll show you the way out. The only way they can show you the way out is they've got to be there with you, right? 
They've got to be close enough by to where you can either hear their voice or they can lead you out in the midst of a fog where you can't see. And the Bible says that when the fires of temptation are burning in your life and the smokes of trial and tribulation are all around you, don't you be afraid. Jesus said, because I'm going to be there and I will show you the way out. I'll show you where the exit is. I'll show you how to get out of that mess and make it through successfully with your life and to overcome. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. What will separate us from the love, love Christ has for us? Can troubles, trouble, distress, persecution, hunger, nakedness, danger, violent death separate us from his love? As scripture says, we're being killed all day long because of you. We're thought of as sheep to be slaughtered. The one who loves us gives us an overwhelming victory in all these difficulties. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And by the way, the love of God is the power of God in your life. When God loves you, it means his power is directed to you. He says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, which Christ Jesus our Lord chose us. We can't be separated by death or by life, by angels or by rulers, by anything in the present or anything in the future by forces or powers in the world above or in the world below or by anything else in all creation. The Bible says that we're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ because we can't be separated from his love. His love will carry you through whatever you face in life. So how do you tap into the power? You know something about who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? He's the one that says I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the one that says I promise to be fully with you in any circumstance you face. He's the one that says to us, I'm telling you that I'm praying for you right now in the moment. It is my ministry, Jesus says, to intercede for you and I've promised you that you'll have power to overcome. He's reminding us that we have all the resources necessary to have the power we need to live the life he wants us to live. So you gotta know your resources. Second thing you have to do is claim your victory. How do you tap into the power? You have to claim victory, claim victory. See, none of these resources that I've just described are going to be yours in your life in a real and practical way unless you claim them, take hold of them to become the rightful owner of them. Now, I'm going to uh, use an example here and I need a volunteer, okay? I need a volunteer. Who would like to volunteer? Would you like to volunteer for me? I know, I just saw it on your face. You said, I wanna be the volunteer. Come on up, to, you gotta to come to the platform. You can't stay down there, right? I have in my hand a fake deed of trust for a piece of land. That's very important, I say it's fake, okay? okay. It's not a real deed. Isn't the, isn't the internet wonderful? You just print out all kind of stuff, okay? But it's a fake deed, okay? And I want to just envision with us for a moment that I had this piece of land that I own, okay? It's my piece of land, I paid for it, I own it. But I wanna give it to my brother, and I want him to have it, okay? So I'm gonna offer this piece of land to you. But what I have to do is I have to execute the deed, I have to make sure it's properly notarized, I go through all the processes, and then I've signed this deed over to my brother, and it becomes now his piece of land, correct? As long as I've executed everything according to the law as it needs to be done, then now I have now given you a piece of land in Maryland. Isn't that wonderful to know? Are you happy? You're really happy. Yes, only problem is you know it's fake. That's the yes, only problem, yes. okay? It's the only problem, okay? Now, I want you to note something. He has this deed. Now, come on, hold it in your hand, okay? Be a good volunteer, okay? <laughs> he has this deed in his hand. <clears throat> He's, have you ever seen the property? No. 
I haven't either, by the way, so. <laughs> but let's just pretend it's real. You've never seen it, okay? You never walked on it, right? Correct. But you hold the deed to it, correct? Yes. So is the land yours? Yes. It is yours. As long as the, ex the deed has been properly executed, even though he's never walked on the land, never seen in the land, the deed is his. Now, let's say that he decides this afternoon, you know, that was a great thing Pastor Dale gave me today. I'm going to go check out this piece of land. He drives to this piece of land, and he pulls up on it, and notices there's a whole bunch of people living on it. There's squatters there, okay? And they're trashing it. I mean, just got stuff everywhere. What is he going to do? He's going to say, well, I guess it's not really my land. No, he's going to realize it is my land. I've got the deed, and I want that piece of property, so I'm going to enforce what I own. I'm going to claim my territory. I'm going to claim this land that belongs to me, and I have all the judicial system behind me that when I evict these folks and say, that's my land, it's not yours, all the court system will back me up as I, as I claim my territory, correct? And that's all he has to do. So you guys got to go, okay? Clean up before you leave, okay? Get your stuff out of here because this is my land. And he has all the authority of the court system behind him as he executes his deed, as he claims his piece of property. Okay, now give me my land back, okay? Thank you very much, okay? Thank you, I appreciate it. God bless. Excellent. Now here's what I want you to see. I want you to pay real close attention with me today because this is extremely important. I'm not trying to, to sort of bolster you emotionally. I want to give you something of substance that you can take with you for the rest of your life. This has helped me tremendously in my spiritual journey. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and me, he died to give you stuff. He died that you would have an inheritance in him. Amen? He died to say, I died so your sins could be forgiven. I died so that you could have an abundant life. I died so you could have an eternal life. I've, I've willed, I've given to you a deed of trust to all kind of blessings for your life. Tremendous blessings. Here's the problem. Most of us have never either, either looked at the deed or we've never executed the deed. And you say, well, how do we know what's on the deed? Well, the way that you know what has been deeded to you by Jesus in Christ is to go to the Bible. This is your deed book, right? This is what your deed is. This tells you what your inheritance is in Jesus. I tell you, this, help, this has helped me tremendously all throughout my spiritual journey to understand that this book called the Bible is my deed. It tells me what God has done for me and what God provides for me and for my family and for my future and for my life. This is my deed given to me by God. And what he expects for me to do is he expects for me to lay claim to that deed, right? Now, how do we lay claim to the promises? See, this is what it is. The promises belongs to me. This is my deed. How do we lay claim to it? I'm going to give you three words that this is all that's required for you to lay claim to the promise of God in your life. Number one, you do it by faith. By faith. Everybody say faith with me. Now, I'm asking you to say that word not because you don't know it. You already know it. But I want this to echo inside of you today that the way you lay claim to this deed is by faith. Now, did this gentleman own the piece of land theoretically, okay, a moment ago, even before he saw it? As long as he had the deed properly executed, did he own it? Help me out here, okay? Did he own it? Of course he did. He had, never, had he seen it? No, he had not seen it, okay? But did he own it? I want to tell you, let me give you an example of this. We'll read the passage here in just a moment. I own eternal life. I haven't seen it yet, thank God. Okay, still here on earth. 
But I own it. I, I'm not afraid to die. I have no fear of death at all. Why? Because I know something. I have a deed that says, because I believe in Jesus, the Son of God, He's imparted His righteousness to me. I don't get in heaven by any good thing I've ever done. I get into heaven by the good things Jesus did for me and the price He paid for me. He gave me the deed. I have eternal life, okay? It's mine, okay? I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen heaven yet. I have no, I mean, the only thing I know about heaven is when I can read about it in the Bible, but I know it's real by faith. By faith, it is mine. I don't have to see it to know that it's a reality. By faith, I've laid claim to it in my life. I'll give you another example. When I came to Jesus, as most of us do, when we come to him, we have sins, we have things that we've done wrong, failures, guilt that we have in our life, shame that we have in our lives. And so we come to Jesus and the, and the deed says we can be forgiven, right? And so what do we do? We say, okay, Jesus, I am coming to you confessing my sins, knowing that I am a sinner, I am sinful by nature, and I've sinned against you, and I'm asking you to forgive me, and now by faith, I lay hold of what your deed has promised me, that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what I feel at all. See, a lot of people build their whole relationship with God around their feelings. Don't build your relationships with your relationship with God around your feelings. Build your relationship with God around faith. Faith is greater than your feelings. So many people get off track because their entire spiritual journey primarily is based around, I feel this or I don't feel that. I feel God's with me. I don't feel God's with me. Let me tell you what you're going to feel. You're going to feel all kinds of things throughout your life. So you don't build your life on your feelings. You build your life on the deed of trust and your faith in it. You got it? 1 John 5, 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Read the rest with me. Even our faith. So how do you overcome? By faith. Second of all, you overcome by confession. Say it with me. By confession. Your words need to line up with your faith. Notice I said, what comes first? First, Faith and then what? Not words and faith, but faith and words. You speak because you believe. So you can't so much talk yourself into faith, but when you have faith, it begins to change the way you speak. Uh, it's an interesting story in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's the story of David and, and Goliath. You know the story fairly well. And uh, by the way, next month, the whole month of March, I'm going to talk about overcoming giants in your life. It's going to be a great month together. We're going to talk about four giants that every, pe every person needs to overcome. And uh, I'm not going to talk about that right now. That's simply a commercial for next month. But uh, that being said, I want you to focus in for a moment on, on, on David. David goes to this battlefield and there's this giant, this nine foot tall giant that's intimidating the armies of Israel. And I want you to notice what David does here in this situation. I'm going to read just a few verses here. 1 Samuel 17, David said to the Philistines, this is to Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Now notice what he says next. Here's little David and big Goliath, okay? You got the picture? You know it, right? You've been to Sunday school. Little David, big Goliath. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. If I'm on the battle, I said, David, shut up. You don't know who this guy is. 
He's been intimidating us for 40 days. And you come out and just like, you little, you little punk, you think you're going to sort of knock him down? Watch out what you're saying there, David. He doesn't stop there. He goes on and says, today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. Now he's not just going to kill Goliath. He's taking on the whole army. And notice this, in the whole world, well, now he's gone to the world. He starts with Goliath and goes to the Philistine army. Now he's talking about the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. Now, would you say those are some pretty amazing words? All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Here's what I want you to see. David goes up to Goliath, and he realizes something. He realizes that this, that this battle is not going to be won by him. This battle is going to be won by God. So he begins to give some God talk. He begins to speak some things that come out of the faith of his heart. He says, I know something about you, Goliath, because I, I'm not here representing me. I'm here representing someone who's greater than I am. I come, yes, powerless, but the one I represent is all-powerful. And I want to tell you something today, Goliath. You've been intimidating the armies of Israel for way too long, and there's something inside of my heart today. It's called faith. And faith says this, God is going to do you down. He's going to take you under. Today, I'm going to knock you down by the grace of God. I'm going to cut off your head. We're going to slay the whole army of the Philistines and the whole world will have a testimony that there is a God in Israel. What I want you to see is there was faith in David's heart and David's words began to echo the faith that was inside of him. And there's something about faith that when it gets inside of you, when you really get a hold of this thing called the title deed, it starts changing your mouth. I tell you what, if you've got a bad mouth, you need to get some faith in your heart. If you got a negative report on your lips, let me tell you how to cure what's on your lips. Get the right stuff in your heart. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to know what's going on in your heart, listen to your mouth. Because your mouth will always tell you what's happening in your heart. And David says, I've got some faith going on inside of here. Because of this faith, I'm going to proclaim and declare what I know to be reality. And let me ask you, how did the story end? It ended the same way that David declared it would end. Why? Because it was not David fighting the battle, it was God fighting the battle, and David was simply walking by faith, and his confession lined up with his faith. You got it? That's how you get saved. That if you believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. Believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So in other words, the, the, the belief comes first, the faith declaration comes next. Now here's the third word. The third word is enforcement. Write it down by enforcement let me read some verses here for you and then I'll talk about that just for a bit James 4, 7 and 8 submit yourselves then to God resist the devil and he will flee from you come near to God and he will come near to you 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 8 and 9 be self-controlled and alert your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering Ephesians 6 13 therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil then after the battle you will be standing firm now here's what I want you to notice here in all these passages we're told that when we go to enforce our victory we're going to face an adversary okay he's called the devil now, it's extremely important that you understand this. I told you the stuff I'm sharing with you today are things that have changed my life. I'm not just giving you a message. I'm sharing my life with you today. 
And you must understand that there, there are evil forces in this world, unseen evil forces, backed up by the prince of darkness that we often refer to as Satan or the devil. There's a kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness wants to withstand and battle against the kingdom of light. There's, a, there's this war going on in the unseen realm. You and I can't see it with our natural eyes, but just because you can't see it with your natural eyes doesn't mean it's not real. It's very real. There is a real devil. Now, I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that because the Bible says you must know the reality of the warfare that you're engaged in. But the Bible says that when you come against this adversarial force, you don't have to shrink in fear and shrink in, in intimidation. But you have to learn how to enforce the victory that Christ has already won. Let's go back to the illustration I was using a moment ago with our brother up here. When I gave him the deed to his land, he went to the land and found other people on his property. What was his job to do? He had to evict them. He had to say, you don't belong here. I belong here. You're trafficking on territory that doesn't belong to you. And I want, you know, the devil loves to lie to you and steal from you and get into your life and traffic in areas where he doesn't belong. And what you and I have to learn to do is to rise up in the name of Jesus to rise up by the authority given to us by his promises and his word to rise up by faith and by confession and to say to the works of the adversary you don't belong here you're not we're not going to I'm not going to allow you to traffic in this area of my life any longer maybe it's an addiction you're dealing with you say to the adversary I've been under this addiction for X number of years but I'm telling you in Jesus name I'm evicting you you're not going to continue to control my life it might be an attitude that you've tr struggled with for a long, long time. You've never been able to break. You have to go against that with a resistance to say, you know what, we're going to stand against the works of darkness. And I'm telling you, sometimes the enemy doesn't run at the first boo. Sometimes you have to stand and stand and stand and stand and stand. And sometimes you have to fast and pray. And sometimes you have to dig in with a, with a, with a firmness, with a perseverance that says, you know what, I know what the deed says. I know what the book says. I know what's in the Bible. I know what Jesus died to give me and so I lay claim to it and no matter if the enemy doesn't seem to be moving I'm going to keep pressing on until there's advance of the kingdom of God in this area of my life that's how you advance in your marriage that's how you advance God's kingdom with your kids that's how you advance God's kingdom in the work environment where you are any dimension of life that you want to see the advance of the kingdom there's going to be a fight but here's the, here's the thing you must understand the fight has already been fought, fought and the victory has already been won you're just called to enforce that with your life and how do you do it by faith and by confession and then you resist and you resist and you resist and you resist you stand against until there's a breakthrough I want to tell you something a breakthrough will come a breakthrough will come because the deed is true amen I'm going to tell you something I'm going to die fighting amen I'm going to die fighting I'm not going to, I'm not going to lay down let me tell you what a lot of Christians do the devil shows up and says ooh I want to mess your life up. No. They run away. Rise up, man of God. Rise up, woman of God. Rise up and take your rightful place and say, I know what the deed says. I know what Jesus did for me on the cross of Calvary. I know the promises of this book that are mine, and I'm going to stand firm in them in Jesus' name. Folks, I call that tapping into the power. Amen. Let's pray together this morning. Thank you. Let's pray. 
Father, we're so very grateful this morning for the word of God. And Lord, what I've shared this morning is not just a a sermon. It really is a life lesson for us. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would drill into our hearts this truth today. I pray that all throughout this congregation that people would rise up with a new determination, Lord God. The power of the Holy Spirit surging through them to take that stand they need to take against the adversary, that stand they need to take against sin, that stand they need to take against themselves, Lord God, where they're going the wrong way and to enforce the victory of Jesus Christ by faith and by confession. And Father, we thank you this morning that you're doing a mighty work in our midst. Thank you there's power available to us that in you we're not powerless. We are powerful because of you. Seal this truth, we pray, in our hearts in Jesus' name. Well, perhaps as you've been watching today's broadcast, something's been happening inside of you. Maybe you felt a stirring in your heart, something that's reminded you that you need to get some things right in your life with God. The first way we start in that journey with God is to open our hearts to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of our life, to turn all of our life over to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. It's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Would you bow your head with me and pray this prayer? Say these words, say, Jesus, just acknowledge that He is Lord. Say, Jesus... I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all of my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, I want to encourage you with the promise of God's Word that says when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there's salvation that's brought to our lives. He changes us on the inside, from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you, you need to take some next steps. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word, to make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it, to spend some time each day in prayer. We have some resources available for you through our website. We'd love to provide those for you. Just let us know that you need those, and we'll make sure that we get them into your hands. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.